Welcome to Twice Born Podcasts. My name is Mike Bailey. Thank you so much for listening. We'd love to get your feedback. And if you have any questions, please go to twiceborn.net. You can also find us on social media. I hope that you find this podcast helpful and informative. God bless. Okay, and what do they usually tell you to do when you have an issue with your phone? Restart it, right? And so that's kind of the premise. Um, I think it's important for all of us. I've done this in the past, and we called it Reboot. And uh, the idea is that sometimes we get a lot of old things working in the background, and they're taking up the energy of the new things that we're trying to use. And so you got to restart things and get it reorganized. And so we're going to talk about our individual lives how do we restart them sometimes and stop and take a break and then how do we and then restart in a positive way and then how do we do that as a church to make sure that we're always Christ-centered, Bible-based, spirit-led. Um, we don't want to be opinion-led or tradition-led or anything other than the spirit of God, his word, and being Christ-centered. So that's really our goal. So throughout the next month, all of July, we're going to talk about every single area of the church that we need to evaluate and consider. Are we being spirit-led? Are we Bible-based? Are we Christ-centered? From worship to fellowship to discipleship to ministry and missions. And so we want to make sure that we're aligning with what God has for us. Well, as I was thinking about this topic, um, some of you know that, most of you know, we were in Africa a few weeks ago. And while we were in Africa, my son and I went to Mount Shioni. And Mount Shioni was a hike that we went up. They said, um, this would be an easy, fun hike for you. And so it was about a two and a half hour, almost three hour hike. And there were parts of it where it was pretty steep and pretty, uh, pretty challenging, even though there were ladies, mothers, and maybe even grandmothers that would carry bundles of sticks on their head and walk up it like it was nothing. And so that kind of made you feel weak and out of shape. But the reality was, as we were going up, um, every so often we would stop to catch our breath. And, and I thought about that idea of stopping and then kind of reassessing the situation. And I can remember as I'm going up, I'm realizing my heart rate is getting up, my breathing is getting extended, um, and I had to make some decisions. Was I going to try to keep the pace of my son Elijah in front of me? Was I going to continue to stay right on his heels, or was I going to allow him to get a little bit further ahead and try to keep a, a more reasonable pace? And so I had to make that decision, right? Because there's choices and there's consequences. Choices and consequences. And so the choice is, do I try to act tough and act younger than I really am or more in shape than I really am and try to stay with my son as he's basically you know, moving up the mountain at a, at a decent speed? Or do I pace myself so I can get to the top? And a lot of things are going through my head. Here were some of the things that are going through my head. Uh, they told us there's 40 million people in Malawi and there's only 23 surgeons. Not a good ratio. They told us, uh, you probably, you don't want to get sick or get hurt here because there's no real local hospitals, and even if you go there, they're not very good, so you're going to have to go quite a ways to get to a decent hospital. And so in my mind, I'm thinking, I don't want to get hurt, and I don't want to fall over this mountain, and who knows what will happen if that, if that takes place. And so I had to stop, evaluate my situation, evaluate what the pros and cons are, evaluate what, was my, what is my long-term goal here, to get to the top of the mountain, to talk to the 6,000. There were 6,000 people that lived on top of the mountain in a village 
that were majority Muslim that had never really heard a clear presentation of Jesus Christ and the gospel. The goal was to get to the top and to share Jesus and then get back to the bottom safely with no injury and accomplish that mission. And so every time we stopped, I would think about that and then I would change my plans. So then I would slow down. I would take my time. Um, even my son and I both agreed, let's watch where we're stepping because there's jagged rocks everywhere. You can turn your ankle. There was a lot of thinking that had to go on. And as we're going up that mountain, I just, I, I couldn't help but think this is such a picture of life. Um, life is, is full of uphill climbs. And we go through times where it seems like you're not going to make it. It's impossible. And then you come over a ridge and then there's a time of peace and there's a time of of actually uh, joy and, and everything seems wonderful and easy and you hope that it's going to stay that way, but typically that's a very small portion on your path and then you're back into the incline. But what we can do in life as a church or as individuals is we can get stuck somewhere and stop and never go again. We can start making our way down and not get to the mission of our life or of the mission the church has been given. Or we can try to run ahead and go too fast or try to do too much and too quick of a period, and then we get exhausted and have even more issues. So there's, there's wisdom for us to stop, consider what we're doing, consider what the mission is, what is the end goal, what are we trying to accomplish, and then accordingly make action, make plans, and work together. So the whole focus of this is to do that. Now, if you go to the next slide, many of you have this on your phone, right? And if you get so frustrated with your phone because it's just not working, it's frozen or whatever, you have to go to this and stop it and completely shut it off. And sometimes when you shut it off, what happens? That little circle keeps going for a little while. What is it doing? It's going through all the information and evaluating all the information and it's reorganizing all that information so that when you restart, it will do the same thing, except it will put the things that are most important on the front and the things that are going to make the, the tasks that you want to achieve more accessible, more efficient, more usable. And so that's the goal over the next month is for you in your own personal life, for you to slow down and stop and evaluate, take into account your life, and then consider what are some things that God wants you to subtract from your life? What are some things that God wants you to add to your life? And then corporately as a church, what are some things that God is saying it's time to move on from? And what is there some things God's saying, I need you to start? And so these are, these are very important times for us because it, it helps us in the future as we move forward together. So let's precede God's word in prayer and ask him to teach us what it is he has for us today. So let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your love. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your mercy. Uh, we thank you that you are the God of creation and that within this created universe, you have established seasons. Um, you've established the maturity of things, a plant to be uh, planted as a seed and then to grow roots and then to grow out and to have a, a life and to grow fruit and be purposeful and meaningful for your meaning and your purpose. And so, Lord, we ask as we discuss this, as we look to your word, we pray that your Holy Spirit would make it clear what it is you have for us. Guide us as we study together. Guide us as we listen. Guide us as we consider the words that you have recorded for us to know and help us to apply them to our lives. Thank you for giving us clarity. Thank you for giving us wonderful leaders in the Bible, Lord, like Paul, 
who wrote down very important things for us to understand that your Holy Spirit had guided him to give us. And so we ask, Lord, as we read this, that our minds would be in tune to you, that we wouldn't be distracted by anything else, but we would be focused on you. Thank you for what you're going to do. We look forward to your return. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to begin in Philippians chapter 3, verse 12. So if you have your Bible, you can go ahead and turn to Philippians chapter 3, verse 12. All of these passages are in the sermon notes, so if you picked up the sermon notes, if you're ever wondering, well, where is he, what, what book is he in, what verse is he on, they're always in the sermon notes for you to look at. So Philippians 3, verse 12, and it'll be on the screens as well. Here's what it says. Not that I have already reached the goal or am already perfect, but I make every effort to take hold of it because I also have been called, have been taken hold of by Christ Jesus. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and reaching forward for what is ahead. I pursue as my goal the prize promised by God's heavenly call in Christ Jesus. Therefore, let all of us who are mature thinking think this way. And if you think differently about anything, God will reveal this also to you. Verse 16. In any case, we should live up to whatever truth we've obtained. Joining in imitating me, brothers and sisters, and pay careful attention to those who live according to the example you have in us. Verse 18. For I have often told you, and now say again with tears, that many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction. Their God is their stomach. Their glory is in their shame. And they are focused on earthly things. Our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly wait for our Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 21. He will transform the body of our humble condition into the likeness of his glorious body by the power that enables him to subject everything to himself. And so here Paul is saying to the Philippians, he's saying, look, let us move forward together. Let us consider what God has put us here on this earth to do. Let all of us consider our role in moving the mission of building the kingdom forward. You know, every single one of us in this room, if you claim to know Christ, if you have repented of your sin and you believe in Christ as your Savior, you are part of the mission. God has intentionally put you here at this time in this place to be part of the mission. And the mission is to move forward in the kingdom of God as we await the returning of Christ, who then will give us the reward. And so we move forward, and we have a mission. So everyone in this room, God has given you a mission. Do you believe that today? Do you believe that God intentionally formed you in your mother's womb, and that you were birthed into this world, and that you live today, you breathe this oxygen, your heart pumps the, fluid, the blood of your body that gives you life for an absolute purpose, that God has planned for your life? Not only that, he has brought us together like a body, like a heart and lungs and liver and spleen and all these wonderful things that make a human body work. We are like the human body. We come together and are unified in Christ. And we all work together 
to bring more to Christ, to build the kingdom, to strengthen the kingdom, to see healing, to see hope, to see overcome of addiction, to see overcome of lostness. And so today we have to recognize we have a future ahead of us. But Paul makes it very clear there are lots of challenges and lots of issues that will thwart the mission. How many of you have recognized in your life that you've been distracted from your mission? How many of you have recognized in your life that it's not always easy to put all your attention on God's mission for your life? Here he gives a couple of examples. He says our stomachs, right? Our stomachs. And you know what's interesting? I, I, I started the practice of fasting in my life. And you know what the important thing of fasting is? It tells you how much you love your stomach. Because when you don't feed it, your stomach gets mad at you. Do you know how many times I've told my stomach, you are not my Lord. You don't tell me what to do. <laughs> and you know what my stomach says? I will tell you what to do. You will eat. You're hungry. There's food right there. Eat it. Eat it. Eat it. I'm in control, not you. If you really think you have willpower, go without food for a day or two and begin to see the power of hunger, the control of your stomach. I believe the benefit and the realization. Jesus said, he said, when you pray, pray like this. And when you fast, he assumed we would fast. He said, when you fast, don't fast like the Pharisees where they make everyone, let everyone know what they're doing. Do it in secret because the Lord will see what is done in secret and he will reward you publicly. But the purpose of it is not just to give you the benefit of God's favor in your life. The purpose of it is to, to humble you. If you struggle with pride, if you struggle with dealing with, with thinking you're better than others, humble yourself through fasting. It's a powerful tool that God has given us to be completely reliant on him. What if you hungered and thirsted for the things of God like we hunger and thirst for earthly food? What amazing people we would be. And so Paul says there's going to be this distraction. Maybe even right now you're thinking of lunch. Maybe right now the, your stomach is already speaking to you. Because our stomachs speak to us. Our appetites speak to us. They are given as a blessing, but they can easily become a curse when they take the place of God's role in our life. And so we don't want those things to happen. We don't want to be deceived by the world and begin to believe the gospel of the world, that you are God and that everything you want should be yours and that really life is just an experience to be had. That is a lie. And if we seek that, we will deviate from the purposes God has for us. And so we have a problem. And I just want to kind of lean into these, these challenges I see in the church and in my own life. First, Unfortunately, we'll be tempted to use the rearview mirror to drive. We'll be tempted to use the rearview mirror to drive. How many of you have driven using the rearview mirror alone? Not me. Logan, that's why you don't, have, you don't drive a lot. <laughs> <laughs> the reality is, how difficult would it be to, if you only used your rearview mirror to drive? You know, when all we talk about are the good old days... And all we want to do is get back to the way it used to be. And all of our focus is on how good it was. You know, we, we remember a lot rosier than it actually was, right? And it can be a temptation in all of our lives to keep looking backwards, to keep looking to what was, and not think about what will be. 
And I believe this is a temptation that we have in our own lives. Many people, high school was the best years of their life. College was the best years of their life. Their young married life was the best years of their life. And every day, all they think about are those years instead of embracing the year they're in. Embracing the season you're in. Embrace the beauty of where God has put you today, not where he put you 10 years ago, 30 years ago. You cannot move forward. You cannot drive safely forward if you're only looking in the rearview mirror. And so as an individual, I have to be able to confront my own desire to drive through the rearview mirror. As a church, we have to be very careful that we don't move forward by driving using the rearview mirror. Secondly, we have to be careful that we're not... Uh, that we don't navigate using traditions of our life or the traditions of men and not the Holy Spirit. We need to navigate forward, whatever it is, by looking to the Lord, listening to the Lord, reading God's word, praying, listening to those that we know have a close relationship to the Lord. I have people in my life that are mentors, people I go to to ask questions. What do you think God is leading us to do? What is he leading me to do? We need those directions in our life. I can't say, well, what do we always do? Or what have I done in the past? Or what is the thing that we always do it this way? Because that's looking backwards. And Jesus confronts that within his own time. When he dealt with the Pharisees, the religious leaders of, this, of his time, he continually confronted that you've taken the traditions of men and put them in the place of God's leadership in your life. You've taken the traditions that they built off of Moses' laws and you've turned it into a crippling uh, law for those that are underneath it. You've distorted God's truth and you've turned it into your own traditions. And he says, this is not pleasing to God. God is looking for those who worship him in spirit and in truth, new manna every day, trusting as he leads us forward that he will give us new visions and new insight and new passions and new desires and that he won't always have us go back to the old wineskin, but he'll give us new wineskin to be filled. And so he calls us individually to continue to grow. I can't rely on my spiritual growth from last year. I can't rely on my prayer time from two years ago. I can't rely on my commitment to being part of a group or being part of the church or giving and being generous that I did 10 years ago. It's about today. It's about where are we going in the future. And this is a temptation for all of us. This is the flesh. This is how we get pulled away from going where God has created us to go. And then finally, I think the greatest challenge we have is we set earthly destinations. We think about the end of our life as what am I going to do in this life at the end? Where am I headed in this life? As a Christian, we're told, Paul just said, we're not citizens of this earth. This is a temporary existence. Our eternal existence is the one that matters. Our eternal existence is the one that we should always be focused on. If I'm going to make a destination, many of you use GPS and you put your destination in. Unfortunately, too many people put earthly destinations in for their lives. And God did not create us to have an earthly destination. He created us to have a heavenly destination. And that means whatever happens in this life, whether good or bad, whether it's adverse or encouraging, it's just part of the journey. It's not the destination. The destination is our eternal dwelling in God's home that is perfect. There's no earthly destination that compares to that. So individually, I can't just say I want to achieve this or get to this level so that I have achieved something in this life. That is not the mind of a follower of Christ. 
The mind of the follower of Christ is, I will give everything I have to follow Christ to the day I die so that when I enter the kingdom, I'll have much to give in eternal value. We have to reset our destination. We have to recalculate our destination. We need to stop our lives and think about, yes, I, all of you knew this was true. We all know it's true, but we need to stop and evaluate. Am I living this way? Is this true of me? Is this who I am? And so God gives us the answer. He says, Here I'll, here's how I want you to recalibrate. Here's how I want you to refocus. You've heard this. None of this is new, but it's something we have to be reminded of on a regular basis. Matthew 22, 37 through 40, it says this. He said to him, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the greatest and most important command. The second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets depend on these two commands. When we stop and consider our lives, can we truly say when we get up in the morning to when we go to bed that we seek to love God with all that we are? Whether it's with our time, whether it's with our energy, whether it's with our thought life, whether it's how we treat our family, how we treat those around us, how we live our lives. Do we truly love God with all that we are? When we return this life that God has given to us back to him, and he evaluates it. Will he see a life that was full of love for him and for others? These are the things we need to challenge ourselves with. These are the things we need to look at our own heart and look at our own mind and thoughts and consider, is this true about me? Our flesh will reject this. Our flesh will say, don't worry about it. Our flesh will say, you have too many other things to worry about. Don't listen to this. This doesn't really matter. You're a victim. You have too many things going on in your life. Don't consider these things. I know because the flesh says these things to me as well. Our flesh will keep us from loving God with all that we are. Our flesh will keep us from loving others the way that we should. And so we're called to love people. We're, this is called the great commandment. We've been given a great commandment. It's been something that we have been told. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, this is what you're to be. You're to love God and you're to love people. And then secondly, we were given a mission. We call it the great commission. In Matthew 28, 18 through 20, it says, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always, even to the end of the age. We call this the Great Commission. We are to go into the whole world, to Malawi, Africa, to Daytona Beach, Florida. And we are to share the good news. Discipleship starts with salvation. People need to know that they're lost, and that that's a horrible thing. But there's a wonderful thing because we're not lost forever because Jesus came and died for us. And so we can have salvation. You don't have to be lost. You don't have to be separated from God forever. You can have an eternal life with him. And so if you confess and believe, you'll become his child. And as you become his child, you become his disciple. And you grow every day in that discipleship by learning what he taught to love him and to love others. And so today, we've been given a mission. 
We've been given a commandment and we've been given a mission. We're to be disciples who make disciples of all generations. Let me ask you a very personal question. Are you a disciple who is making disciples of all generations? The temptation when I was growing up, the temptation you may have is, well, Pastor Bailey, Pastor Mike, that's his job. I get that. That's what he's here to do. That's why we have him here, right? He's the one who does that. Unfortunately, the Bible doesn't teach that. It actually teaches the opposite. I'm here to encourage you to be a disciple who makes disciples of all generations. My responsibility is to do everything in my power to encourage you to recognize the mission that God has given you specifically. That he put you on this earth to be his disciple. And not just for you, but for you to disciple others. And not just others, but every generation. Not just people that look like you or have your same background, but people that are children, people that come from other customs and other places. This is what we've been put on earth to do. This is the mission of our lives. And when we do that, we become healthy and we multiply ourselves. When you share the gospel, someone else gets saved. And then they share the gospel and someone else gets saved. Now you're a disciple and they're a disciple and they're a disciple. And all of a sudden, discipleship expands. Do you realize with multiplication, it wouldn't take more than five years to reach the entire earth making disciples if everyone would reach one and then they would multiply themselves? What's the problem? The problem is we all look at each other and says, well, I know he needs to do it. I know that person on the other side of the room needs to do it. But we have no control. I have no control over you. You have no control over me. The only one you have been given control over is yourself. Will you be a disciple who makes disciples of all generations? Will you take seriously the mission as God has given you? Because the greatest tragedy to me the greatest tragedy to me is that one day we all stand before our creator. And he says, what did you do with Jesus? Well, I received Jesus as my savior. Well, what did you do with the life that I gave you? I don't want to stand before my creator and say, well, I just kind of did what I want. I dealt with the problems that were in front of me, the, the tyranny of the urgent. I did with all, I, I paid my bills. I tried to deal with all these things, but I didn't really ever do what you wanted me to do. But Mike, I made it clear in my word what I wanted you to do. But Mike, I made it clear by the teachings that you heard what I wanted you to do. Why didn't you do what I asked you to do? That is something to me when it says, to whom much is given, much is required. The burden of this is true, that we have all been given much more than a lot. Every one of us in this room, as you hear my voice, we will stand before our Creator. And he will not take, I was tired, or I had other things to do, or I just didn't feel like doing it, as a reasonable excuse for not doing the mission that he's given us to do. And so I'm not here to guilt. I'm not here to do any of that. I'm here to encourage you. I, want to be, I need to know what's at stake, though, and you need to know that there is a lost world. There are people within a mile of us right now that are contemplating into their life. You know what I learned this week? I learned that more people die of suicide now in the United States than of car accidents. Why? 
because they do not know that they have been created on purpose for a purpose. They do not know that they are loved. They do not know that there is forgiveness and that there is victory in Christ. They do not know that they can give their life to Christ and be spirit-led. Someone needs to tell them. Someone needs to live it out in front of them. That's us. Our field of mission is expanding every single day. You watch the news and you see a lot of angry people. They're angry because they've been lied to and they've believed the lie. But many of those, if told the truth, would receive the truth. But they're not going to receive it if they don't hear it. We will not make disciples if all we do is gather and sing and read God's word together here. We must go. And we must be. And we must do. And so this is where we stop. And we consider our lives. And we apply. The first thing I think we need to apply is we need to take spiritual inventory of our lives. Who am I really? What do I do that shows who I am? Have you ever stopped to take inventory on your life? Who are you as a person? What motivates you? What are the things that you value? What are the things you prioritize? How do you make a schedule for a week? How do you determine what you're going to spend money on or spend your time on? What are the things that are really important to you today? We need to take inventory and then evaluate, is this what God would have for me? Is this what God's desire for me is? Once we've recognized those things, the second thing we must do is pray for wisdom. Pray every day, all day. God, help me to do what you would have me to do. Help me to be wise. Help me to be patient. Help me to be kind. Help me to have the wisdom I need to follow your way. And then finally, these two are important, and this is what we will be talking about the rest of the month. We need to stop what God tells us to stop. If I have issues with anxiety or anger or whatever it is, and God says, Mike, I need you to confront this and stop doing this, I need to put that on the altar, take up my cross and sacrifice that to the Lord and say, I will stop doing this thing. I'm going to stop this in my life. And now it's one thing to stop it, and I think the challenge we have is we may be able to stop it in our own willpower for a little while, but you have to replace it. If you don't replace it, it'll just come back double-fold. And so you need to fill your life with the things that God has for you. And so you stop the things you know God wants you to get out of your life, and you replace it with the things you know God wants in your life. It's two parts. It's not one. A lot of people sometimes think, well, I just got to stop doing these things. It's not about stopping. It's really about starting. Once you've stopped, you need to start doing something healthy. You need to start doing something that's beneficial, that's maturing and growing you in your faith. So what is that for you? I don't know. Because every one of us is unique, and every one of us has a unique purpose that God has given us individually. And he's asking us in these moments, will we be faithful to listen to him? Will we be faithful to do what he calls us to do?